Today we bring you part two of my conversation with Tammy Irwin, CEO of Verizon Business. Last time we talked about topics like 5G helping with telemedicine. Let's dig into part two of the interview. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. And Tammy, you brought up a really good point about you know whether or not kids or families can even get adequate broadband uh, or adequate devices. And so that the, the broadband gap is another huge issue that was exposed by the pandemic. Uh, how does 5G help close this gap? Or is this just an instance where, another instance where really the haves get access to new technology and the have not sort of the wait a while, thus expanding that digital divide? Yeah, this, this is one where we believe, uh, one of the things I'm particularly proud of in 2020 is that Verizon took a very strong position that said, we have four stakeholders we must care for. We must first and foremost protect our employees and keep them safe. Uh, we need to care for our customers because we understood the power of connectivity to change customers' outcomes. Uh, we understand our responsibility to shareholders. And the fourth stakeholder that we've spent a lot of time talking about in 2020 is uh, really society and how do we have a role, what role do we play in using technology to solve some of the world's biggest problems? And if there's ever a problem that's been a big problem, it is the digital divide and how we show up and enabling uh, kids around the, the uh, country to have access to technology. So not only did we price our technology differently, working back with the states to make sure that uh, schools had access to connectivity, um, but we've been part of the Verizon Innovative Learning Program where we've invested to date half a billion dollars in making sure that we can dispatch out uh, connectivity, devices, and content out to schools so that they can be part of our innovative learning program. And what we found is when we go into a district and we have the commitment of the district, uh, then we work with these schools to provide the connectivity, uh, to provide the devices, to provide the curriculum and teach teachers how to teach differently with the curriculum uh, and with the technology, and then providing the tablets and the capability that students require. Uh, we've actually made a commitment that in next year that we'll have 105 5G schools, which I'm super excited about because that really transforms. Uh, and in the remote environment, what we're doing is dispatching those devices home so kids have access to them. So, uh, and then we've also pulled in the BlueJeans capability. So it's not just connectivity, but it's the video collaboration tool. So a lot of things that we feel like we have a responsibility to be very actively engaged in closing that digital divide and using technology to solve what is such a critical issue for our society. How does that work for, for poor communities? You talked about getting access to or 5G access to schools and those districts. Um, you know, one of the lingering issues is at home, there isn't the same kind of connectivity. So how does 5G or does 5G play a role in expanding access to those poor communities, poor households who, who can't afford broadband right now? Yeah, I, I think it's both a 4G and a 5G capability. So as you begin to think about 4G and 5G, it's about having accessibility. And we've rolled out programs uh, and pricing structures that allow better access for all. And we think that's really important. Uh, the other thing that we've done that I think is really important is Citizen Verizon is a new program that we've introduced over the last uh, six months to really put a spotlight on how do we bridge the digital divide. Uh, and we've made a commitment to 10 million youth by 2030 to build technology-rich capability that 
they will have access to. So we're really pulling that in as one of our citizen Verizon initiatives to say we need to not only the innovative learning where we've got these schools that really are in demographics that require the kind of support from corporations that we're giving today, but a broader initiative with citizen Verizon to say, let's really make sure we're exposing that content out to these 10 million youth for the purpose of 2030 and making sure we're making that kind of progress. So I think it's, it's we've got to lean in hard, lean and aggressively, and Verizon has taken that position uh, for, for a long time with innovative learning, but we've said we'll expand that through Citizen Verizon, and we think it's going to allow us to really help lead uh, in some of the critical initiatives to use technology to solve these problems. And uh, for millions of Americans, uh, myself included, that transition to a work-from-home or full-time work-from-home situation has been difficult over the last year. Uh, I'm curious how the work from home dynamic has changed the way you've thought about 5G and, and how 5G can be used to make that experience better or more palatable at least. Yeah, listen, 5G is going to solve a lot of problems and then there's going to be leadership that solves a lot of problems. And so maybe I bring those two together because you think about uh, the power of 5G. Let me first start with what I think is really important, and that is the performance of our 4G network. Uh, our 4G network has performed nearly flawlessly as we've gone from environments where people were in cities and in work offices to distributing that work to home. Uh, and so first and foremost, the importance of reliability and performance of the networks we offer today, so important. We then at the same time, and I give Kyle Malady, our C, uh, Chief Technology Officer, a lot of credit. He and his team, uh, they've delivered uh, another 30 cities of 5G UWB capability. Uh, and they did that in the midst of a pandemic. And so when you think about now being over 60 cities with 5G UWB, uh, they were able to deliver that effectively. And then, uh, as you know, at the end of the year, uh, in October, we delivered 5G nationwide. Uh, so it really gives you the capability of taking the 4G network and uh, adding dynamic spectrum sharing and really accelerating the performance of that. So it's really been an improvement of the 4G network, a build of the 5G network with UWB capability. And I think about those really in two different categories. I think about the power of UWB really being around capacity and about capability. So you think about the eight currencies that are possible and what you can do with those eight currencies in UWB. And then you really think about 5G nationwide as providing the broad coverage uh, that's required for people working from home. So when you think about how does it solve our work from home, I think the power of UWB to really begin to imagine new ways of working. Um, what, what I like about what we've done with UWB in 2020 and for work from home is we've worked in the broader ecosystem to make sure that we begin to get devices into the marketplace. I think that was evident by the launch that we did with Apple uh, and Hans being on stage with Tim to really announce that all of the new iPhones uh, are fully equipped with UWB. That's really important as we broaden that ecosystem because for people that are working from home, uh, for corporations that are now imagining new applications and solutions that run on UWB, it's about having an ecosystem of devices that enable and provide access uh, to that UWB network. So we think that's really important as we think about work from home and enterprises equipping their employees with the kinds of tools that give them access to UWB capability. Well, you bring up UWB, that's that's Verizon's name for, well, it stands for ultra-wideband. It's the name for the, the high-capacity, high-speed network, 
which is known for far more limited range than, say, your nationwide network. It runs on a different band. Uh, and it's, it, right now, it's in 60 markets, but it's in parts of these cities. I'm curious how uh, you're thinking about incorporating you know, either remote work or even sort of normal working practices to take advantage of these networks. Because UWB, it's not ubiquitous. It's not everywhere. So if they're in these kind of limited pockets of each market, how do you take advantage? How, how does sort of the, the workforce, especially the remote workforce, take advantage of some of these high-speed pockets of, of network coverage? Yeah, I, I think in cities where you have those pockets of coverage, and, and listen, I think it's really important to acknowledge that we are running a marathon and not a sprint. Uh, we are building an ecosystem. If you said to me two years ago, we heard for the very first time what the capability of 5G UWB would be when Hans stood on the stage at CES and talked about the eight currencies of UWB. We have moved very, very quickly from that being a PowerPoint that the world said, oh, there's eight currencies to really understanding and building out the ecosystem and building out the cities. And we did it with the expectation that in these densely populated areas, in cities, you would have the ability to really have not only the kind of capacity for those dense populations, but the kind of capability that UWB enables. Uh, and I still believe that that becomes very, very important. And, you know, we're working with partners like, um, you know, Roger Goodell and the NFL on how do you change the stadium experience? And I know right now it's hard for us to imagine being in a stadium, but what we're doing right now is, is working with, uh, you know, partners like the NFL to say, let's change the experience because as we go back to stadiums, as we go back into these densely populated uh, locations, we're going to want the ability to do touchless transactions. We're going to want to have cashless transactions. So all the things that allow safety and entertainment and cashless transactions in those environments are things that we're building today to enable a new capability. As you think about remote workers, I think it's the reason why it's important that your 4G network is now 5G enabled for over 230 million people across the U.S. to really take advantage job, uh, the capabilities of dynamic spectrum sharing and the ability to really do 5G NR. So, you know, what I love about our strategy is it's not one or, or the other, it's both. And so the ability to really build with corporations and build the ecosystem for 5G UWB, we're running a marathon and we're, you know, miles into this, but wow, think about the progress in the last two years, despite the pandemic. And then to have 5G NR, the capability to have that broadly uh, for people that are remote working. And, and Tammy, you talked about AR experiences for remote learning. What about for remote work? Does AR or VR applications play a role in that, and, and especially as you're thinking about how to use 5G? Yeah, I think over time, it absolutely will. We're not seeing that move as quickly, perhaps, as we are for education and telehealth. I think you think about the, the incredible urgency around education and around telemedicine, so important, whereas in the work environment, that core connectivity, and then the other thing that has been so important to our corporations and to enterprises is make sure I have connectivity and make sure that's secure. And that's really been top of mind for uh, employers as they've sent employees home is make sure I have the capability to have connectivity that allows video conferencing and make sure that it's secure. And that's really what we've worked with corporations on remote workers. Now, I think over time, you'll see more of the augmented reality capability. It'll come to life as people build out the learning capability for people. I think we're also seeing that come to life more for field workers as people are going out and doing field working. So imagine a mechanic that's been 
dispatch doesn't have the kind of training, the ability to use the power of 5G to transmit that information back into a centralized environment, get support from a coworker that might be, you know, anywhere in the world giving them advice and counsel based on the video capability that they're seeing. So I think we'll see it first with remote workers that are field workers. And then I think we'll begin to see that introduced into the learning capability for enterprises. And that concludes part two of our three-part interview. Check back in later this week for the final part. As always, if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.